everybody. Welcome to the world's greatest Bronze Age Spider-Man podcast. Here comes the Spider-Cast. I'm your co-host, Mike Allen. As always, I'm joined by... Joshua Mervell. And today, we're going to be taking a look at some of Spider-Man's appearances in uh, the comic What If from the 80s. That's right. And we kind of jumped out of order because I missed these the first time around when I was going in order. And so we've slotted them in now. And I hope you enjoy them because they're fun. And to yeah. celebrate, we've got G.I. Jolie back with us. That's right. Oh, wow. Ooh, wow. <laughs> I oh, hope this justifies well, well, hold on, Mike. Hold on, Mike. The audience is still applauding. Oh. You, oh. Have to, you have to, like, give a, a little oh. bit of room before you. They can't it. see it, but yeah. I'm waving to all of my adoring fans. <laughs> it's like, it's like Tom's when they pause for the audience reaction. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Still applauding. Still okay. And we're okay. Good. okay. Okay, we're good. And also, we have a very <laughs> special guest joining us, a frequent uh, collaborator on Flea Market Fantasy, and that's Kevin Jank. Woo! Hey, Woo! how's it going? Yay! I'm here joining us, Jank. Yeah. So I believe back. over on Flea Market Fantasy, you're up to like what is it, like sixteen? Yeah, I think sixteen. Yeah, that sounds right. On Spidercast, I don't even know what you're up to, but it's got to be at least three or four, right? Yeah, it's three or four. I said four, yeah. Okay. Yeah. If this were SNL, he'd be like one appearance away from a jacket. Yes, oh, a smoking jacket. Dang. Everyone knows a smoking yeah. jacket, yes. Yeah. I want to get so, it from Cohen. <laughs> so before we jump into these uh, what-if comics, I just want to know, Jank, because I'm not sure if I've asked you this, but other than Flea Market Fantasy and Here Comes the Spidercast, do you read any comic books currently? Yeah, a very small, it's getting, it's shrinking by the day, I feel like, the number of comic books I still read, but yeah, there's still a couple. <laughs> like, honestly, one of the most, one of the books, the few books I still read is the Walking Dead Deluxe, like the color reprints of it, and okay. I look more forward to that than I do with the actual, uh, like, new comics, because they're all pretty bad. Gotcha, gotcha. So, almost nothing from Marvel or DC then, right? Yeah, Daredevil's still pretty good. Um, uh, who's, who's doing Daredevil right now? Uh, Chip Zdarsky. Gotcha, gotcha. Interesting. Okay, cool. Yeah, pretty good. Awesome. All right. Good to know. So here we go. So again, we, we try to go in chronological order on the show, but in my database of Peter Parker appearances, these comics technically, they don't count because they're not 616 Marvel, right? This is mm-hmm. imaginary um, alternate worlds Marvel. So that's why we're doing this out of order. So the first one we're going to cover, oh, and we didn't even talk about this before the show, but Kevin Jank, would you like to volunteer to summarize any of these issues or would you like to leave that to us? Uh, I guess I could. <laughs> okay, which one? <laughs> the last one. The last Uncle one? Ben. Which, okay, Uncle Ben and then Josh, how about I'll you? I'll start off with Gwen Stacy. Gotcha. And then Julie, do you want to do the clone one? Do you want me to do the clone one? Um, I'm going to leave that mess to you. Gotcha. Okay. Understandable. Okay. So Josh, you can uh, take it from here and, All right. and be sure to mention who drew this issue. Cause it's very important. Sure. So this is what if Spider-Man had rescued Gwen Stacy. This is what if number 24. Um, this is written by Tony Isabella and the artists are Gil Kane and Frank, uh, Giacoya. Giacoya, I think. Giacoya. And I just want to mention quickly, Tony Isabella was a guest at the Action Comic Con in 2018, I think. Ew. Courtesy of G.I. Jolie and Michael. And Gil Kane is the original artist on the death of Gwen, 
Gwen Stacy, and that's why I wanted you to mention it. Interesting. Okay. I like that you refer to yourself in the third person. Yeah, always, <laughs> always. Yes. Uh, okay. So, um, as most what ifs, uh, uh, I, I, just like most what ifs, this kind of starts off with like a recap of an event that's happened in um, Marvel Comics that is canon to the 616 universe. So we. Um, we see it's like a year after Gwen Stacy's death. Peter's on the bridge where her death happened, and he's kind of remembering her and reminiscing and also kind of like sad and mopey because he's thinking about it. And then in his mind, he flashes back and he sees um, he sees the whole events happen in his head again. Uh, same as before, he's fighting Green Goblin on the top of the the bridge. Goblin gets on his pump uh, on his um goblin glider and pushes Gwen off of the bridge. Spidey reaches down and webs her and her neck snaps as he grabs her by the leg and pulls her up and finds that she's uh, now dead. Um, then we cut over to the watcher as Spider-Man is swinging away and he kind of says that like. Yes, Spider-Man, this is really sad, but if only he knew that in another universe she actually survived and things happened a little bit differently. Uh, and he kind of introduces us that this is now this story. And we see Spider, we, we see the same kind of thing happen again. Spidey's fighting Green Goblin. Um, this time, though, instead of webbing Gwen as she's falling, he actually jumps down after her <laughs> and makes sure to caress her by the neck and then like flip over backwards and they uh -huh. fall into the Hudson um, Spider-Man first. So Gwen is cushioned by the fall. Uh, Green Goblin thinks that he has killed both of them and is super excited and flies away. A few mm -hmm. moments later, we see Spidey and Gwen surface and Spidey brings Gwen over to the dock where he unmasks himself and tries to wake up Gwen, but she just doesn't wake up. And then cough, cough, cough. She spits up the water and she's alive and she's completely shocked by this revelation that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. Now, um, she at the time, well, I guess always blamed Spider-Man for her father's death. So at first she's a little like taken aback she's kind of like calling peter a monster she doesn't want to hear anything he has to say but she finally listens and he explains what really happened that day with her dad and how he sacrificed himself to save a little boy uh from doc ock so it was actually doc ock who killed him yada 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 they kind of embrace and then peter's like you know what now that I, i'm i don't want to waste any more time now that you know my identity i'm going to propose to you so he asks her to marry her uh, marry him she says yes um and then he swings away and leaves her on the dock uh we cut over to green goblin he's talking to a bunch of like magia like businessmen and he's kind of saying like Listen, I'm in charge now. I finally killed Spider-Man. So, like, I'm the biggest threat in town. So you guys have to, all have to answer to me. That's when Spidey shows up. And he actually um, starts beating up Green Goblin mm -hmm. because um, Green Goblin, Norman Osborn, knows Spider-Man's secret identity. So now that um, he's engaged, 
he is worried that his identity is going to be leaked and um, all of his enemies are going to start coming after him and Gwen. So um, he kind of goes against his morals and he's pretty much like, I'm going to kill you so I can have a, have a, uh, a nice life with, with my wife now. So he shows up and starts beating up on them. And then he green goblin kind of says like, Hey, if you, uh, 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 if you do this, I'll shout out your real identity. And then the rest of the gangs, like he knows the identity. So they're trying to save green goblin now. So that way they can find out the, the identity of Spider-Man and hopefully make money off of this situation. He, uh, Spider-Man is able to jump in and beat up all these Magia guys while Green Goblin flies away. And uh, Green Goblin runs to a mailbox and mails a letter out with uh, Spider-Man's secret identity on it. And we don't know who he's mailing this out to. But once he does, he jumps away. Uh, Spider-Man leaves. And uh, after he's finished with the guys and we see Norman has gone home. He's revealed his secret identity to Harry Osborne, his son. And they're kind of like talking it over about like, listen, you're going to learn from me, Harry. You're going to be kind of like my second in command and help me run this like new crime syndicate. And we're going to be able to do this together. We just need to take out Spider-Man and Spider-Man shows up. He starts fighting Norman and then, um, Harry uh, uh, jumps in the way to save Norman as Spider-Man is about to finish him. And then that causes Norman Osborn to kind of snap out of his goblin form Mm -hmm. and realize that like he has some love and still in his heart once he sees that his son has sacrificed himself uh, for him. So Harry is now helping Norman getting some help. Uh, hopefully seeing a therapist or something. Spidey swings away and leaves um, and then tells Gwen what's going on. They tell Aunt May about the wedding. Then we cut to the future as we see uh, Peter's getting ready for the wedding with Flash's best man. And there's kind of like this weird offhanded comment about how MJ and Harry Osborn aren't going to make it because they're too busy taking care of Norman Osborn. Um, Peter sneaks down to see Gwen and they're kind of talking and they like, you know, uh, uh, get each other ready for the wedding. Then we cut to the wedding and it's J. Jonah Jameson and he barges in and um, he reveals to everybody there that he is the person that got the anonymous letter that the Green Goblin sent out. And he now knows that the secret identity of Spider-Man is Peter Parker. And when this re- revelation happens, chaos ensues and they faints. Um, a bunch of police officers show up with guns and try and threaten uh, Peter. He's able to kind of like knock them out of the way, jump out a window and run. And then we see kind of a moment with Robbie Robertson and he's um, upset with Jonah and he kind of consoles Gwen. And then we get a little bit of an epilogue where Peter is standing on a rooftop kind of like, I don't know what's going to happen now, but, um, you know, we're going to have to kind of get through this. And that's where the story ends. It's pretty interesting. We also get a backup issue with. The Eternals. Uh, with the Eternals, and Did really that... nothing happens. Yeah, I didn't read like, it. We, so. we just see, like, there's this guy named Krota, Kronos. Kronos, And yes. he's, like, 
he's like above an eternal. He's like a celestial. And I guess a bunch of other celestials are going against him, even though he's like the king of these people. And he ends up winning this war that's starting. And then he's like, he makes some sort of weird potion in a laboratory that backfires and explodes on him and kills him. And he turns into dust and all of this dust particles go into the world of all of his people and they get like parts of his powers. And that's where the Eternals come from, I guess. That's Mm -hmm. pretty much the gist of that. And it's not important. It kind of sucks, but So, yeah. yeah. Uh, Okay, let's start off with our special guest, Jank. Kevin Jank, what did you Mm -hmm. think of this issue? What if? I thought it was fine. It was fun. The art's decent. I like uh, how early on the Watcher's showing a lot of leg, like he's a hitchhiker trying to get a ride. (laughs) (laughs) She gets around. (laughs) Good point. But uh, yeah. it seems it was fun. It seemed like they rushed into the wedding a little bit because it made it seem like this was right after, like, you know, Harry and Norman are right. off doing their recovery thing. So it seems like they planned this wedding all in a couple of days for some reason. But <laughs> that's yeah, fine. it does kind of seem like that. I wish the ending had a little bit more because it seems like, oh, it's like, oh, this is a terrible spot he's gotten himself into. But I'm sure he could go to like the Fantastic Four or the Avengers and they'll set him up with a new identity somewhere. Doesn't seem like it's that dire. Yeah, that's. I think that's one of those things about the shared universe is I always just kind of assume, unless they say otherwise, that those people are not available. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. otherwise, they could get out of any situation. Be like, oh, I'll just call Thor. I'll just call Iron Man or whatever, right? So, yeah, I know what you yeah, mean. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, a, a big thing like this where you're like, well, my whole life has been ruined, I think they would help with that. <laughs> right, <laughs> they might right. Not be available on a Tuesday afternoon to fight Doc Ock, but. Right, right. <laughs> mm-hmm. For the dissolution of your entire personal <laughs> life, I, could, I think they would pick up the phone. Yeah. <laughs> I, th- I think it could have also been interesting if uh, Green Goblin sent it to somebody besides JJ and then a bad guy shows up and causes like the ceiling or like the roof to collapse or something. And then maybe like Aunt May gets trapped underneath Shit. and yeah. dies or something. And then it's kind of like weighing your options like be careful what you wish for so like being able to save gwen and those events led to aunt may's death sure you know what i mean so it's kind of like a double-edged sword yeah that could have been a pretty interesting like what if it feels very like twilight zoney sure right but um yeah i agree the ending is kind of like hmm, whatever he's standing on a building i guess thinking about what he's gonna do (laughs) Not the great um, ending, definitely. No, yeah. I think it would be a little, little bit better, maybe, if there was like, if if this was an ongoing what if storyline or something, sure. yeah. and they continued it. But um, just as a one off, it's a little bit of a letdown. Sure, uh, Gia Julie. First, have you read the Death of Gwen Stacy, Julie? Yes. Okay, so can, what do you think about this one? Uh, okay, it's plausible. <laughs> Sure. Okay. <laughs> Every okay. Spoiler alert: We only read what ifs. So, like, all of these what ifs, and then the what if that happens are all very plausible. But then it's just like the the story that happens after it. It's like, what is happening here? Uh-huh. <laughs> What's going on? Why? Not a butterfly. Why, why, why is it happening? Yeah, it feels very like 
quick too. Like everything yeah. happens at a neck break sweet uh, speed. But 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 yeah, it kind of feels like there needed to be time jumps or something. Like even if they did sure. like a one year later, one week later, even yeah. him proposing. Yeah. Right after saving her was kind of like, whoa, okay, I guess we're just doing this. And then yeah, it was then like everyone around them was like okay with it. Cause the Yeah. And not only were they okay with it, it was like they were predicting it. So like, they mm-hmm. go to Aunt May's house, but they don't tell you they're going there, but they show you that they're going there and they sort of, you know, uh foreshadow it in the dialogue. Mm-hmm. And then even Aunt May's like, Oh, I wonder if they're here to tell me that they're gonna get married. That I gotta plan a wedding, and then they're like literally married in the next panel. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. It's so jarring. I think the key is that, like, I think you're right. Someone said it where the what if is what if Gwen survived? And to me, that should be the only thing they explore. Like, eh, never mind so much about the Green Goblin, never mind so much about um, J. Jonah Jameson. Just keep it on Gwen and just yeah. explore that. And the fact that they didn't even include Mary Jane. That's ridiculous because that's sort the main of. thing. They, the, men- they mentioned her. Yeah, name. they mentioned her, but like the main thing is that he was single for X number of years. Then he dated all these people. Then he married Mary Jane. I mean, at this point, this was well, like he was what? still with Gwen, though. Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. But I'm just saying, like in the, in like our mm. world, he married. He went back with uh, Mary Jane. Now this is 19. What is this? 80 ish. Yeah. I, I just want to say quick. 1980. So even if they would have said, oh, well, if Gwen survived, this is how Mary Jane would have felt. Like, that's something they should have explored. But anyway. Or, like, the the fact that this came before, even before the wedding of Peter Parker and Mary Jane, she pretty much, Gwen survives and her fate is the same as Mary Jane's. Peter just ends up marrying insert woman of the day, week, month, (laughs) year. So what you're telling me, yeah, had Deb Whitman Mm -hmm. not gone quote crazy and uh peter might have liked her a little bit more would he have married her would he have married felicia hardy if she wasn't so obsessed with like uh the spider-man persona and then i guess venom but also or the black suit spider-man but also what is this saying like in a as the larger picture for women in spider-man's life they're just there for him to marry or discard. Well, to be fair, uh, I. Oh, go ahead, Jank. <laughs> or to be killed. Or mm. to be his Aunt May, who he also neglects. The thing is, though, it's it's fair to point out that Mar- Peter would have married Gwen. I mean, but she died, right? So, I mean, that's legitimate. Like, I don't know. I mean, if, if you're going to marry someone and they die, you have to, mar- like, and then you want to get married, you have to marry someone else, right? <laughs> so it's hard. Yeah, I, I think it's just weird that that this is what don't. the story turned into when it's like immediate. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't remember Peter talking about like an engagement ring or planning to propose to Gwen or anything. Yeah. To lead I, up to the moment, you know what I mean? It's not like his proposal was ruined when she died in the original one. It, so it doesn't feel like it connects. Sure. Um, this issue also starts with like almost like a time jump, right? We see <sighs> we see Peter a year after the events. So it yeah. could have even happened where it's like we see how the how the event changed in this other 
universe and then gwen is saved and then we cut to a year later well see kind of what's happening you know what i mean and we jump to like the same time peter's first of all (laughs) you realize the whole what like whatever you want to call is the divergence the divergence happens 13 pages in that's ridiculous it should have been on page two it should have been this is what happened this is what happens in this one that's it Mm -hmm. and then go from there and to me again the fact that mary jane it would have been nice to like okay fine uh he saves gwen there's a time jump they show like x number of years later mary jane's around i don't know it would have been interesting to see what happens like oh maybe he still does marry mary mary jane who knows right mm-hmm. i don't know it's just a more interesting story than this you know yeah on a bigger time scale or she's right. married to harry osborne and he just becomes even more of a drug addict and Hey, there you go. There you go. Yeah. Now, I also do want to say, though, I mean, since most of the what ifs are kind of mediocre, I was surprised how good the art was. I mean, it's Gil Kane. Gil Kane is one of my favorite artists. And uh, like we said, he's the original penciler on the death of Gwen Stacy. So I think he has a field day here. Like, this is so good. And I also want to point out that when Gwen falls off the bridge on digital page five, there's something about the way he draws that, whatever that's called, not pillar, but um, what's that called on a bridge? Uh, oh. Yes, port column. Mm. Whatever it's called. It looks <laughs> massive. And like that on digital page six, when Peter is cradling Gwen Stacy and like this gigantic surface that they're standing on, it just looks so massive it's just i love it it's great it's like something that alex ross would have done like 20 years later like showing the scale of the superhero against the architecture to make it more realistic i just think it's Mm. really cool and then i mean again they spent so many pages um retelling the story that there's plenty of time to show like green goblin and all these cool poses green goblin getting punched out and there's all this other stuff of uh spider-man punching green goblin goblin again right and so it's all it's really good art it's just that I just don't like the direction the story went, you know? Yeah, I thought it was the story is fine. I think it's just like nothing spectacular, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's there there I, I agree with you, Mike, where it's insanely long getting to the actual what if part of this right. what if comic. Um we see the events of Gwen Stacy's death happen twice. You know what I mean? Like they right. happen right when Peter's thinking about it. And then they happen again when watchers retelling the story from another universe, except for the ending is slightly different. So it's kind of like, I think we could have just gotten away with the one, um, one version of right. her death, but, um, yeah, it's, it's okay. I don't know. The ending <laughs> is also a little bit lame. Uh, yeah it is i think it's just like they got off the wrong foot they should have just rewrote the whole thing and just started from scratch but obviously they're not going to do that because the russians (laughs) out but anyway okay so the final question is kevin jank do you recommend this comic uh i mean a soft recommend i wouldn't say run out and and gobble it up right now um but uh, there's potential here this would be a good one like they did that spider shadow uh, thing recently that was like a, a five issue limited series. What if like this would be a good one to do that for? Mm. Like you spread it out, cover a, a greater span of time. I think this would be a lot of fun. Yeah, okay. Cool. 
Uh, G.I. Julie, do you recommend this one? Yeah, it's it's fun. I recommend it because it'll encourage your mind to think of other solutions to this one if one Stacy live <laughs> problem. Right, right. Uh, Josh? Yeah, I think it's like a mild recommend. It's not it's not a fantastic one, but it's one of the better what ifs we've read so far. That's for sure. Right. Yeah, I give it a recommendation on that basis alone. That's one of the better what ifs that we've ever read for sure. Mm. But it still could have gone in a much better direction, I think. Yeah. But yeah, Certainly like one of those what ifs where you're like, oh, I'm actually curious to see how this pans out. Other other than like sometimes there's one where it's like, what if Peter Parker was the Punisher. Like, what? Yeah. The, makes sense. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like, you're, you're right. You're right. You're right. Good. Like, it's yeah. taking an actual thing from the comics and expanding upon it. So. Yeah. Good point. Good point. Um, okay. Well, guess what? we got two more what-ifs to review. So now we're going to talk about what-if number 30 and Kevin Jank. No, me. No, I'm going to do this one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yes. I'm going to talk about this one. Perfect. Perfect. Because I hate the Clone Saga. Anyway. So for those that don't know, the Spider-Man clone saga um, was a huge saga that lasted all during the 90s. Not all, but like for several years. It's at one, uh, on one hand, kind of the most hated storyline of all time. On the other hand, it sold very well. And it went away for 20 years, 10 years. And then they keep bringing back Ben Riley and certain people <laughs> on this podcast by his comic, not me. I like Ben Riley up until recently, and then they just fucked him over. Oh, okay. We have a hardcore Ben Riley fan here. Um, so, for those that don't know, um, yeah. So, basically, uh, the clone was introduced. I think it was an Amazing Spider-Man one forty-nine, and then I think he disappeared after one fifty. He was gone for years and years and years. So that would have been like mid seventies, I think. Then he came back in ninety. 3-ish, 94-ish, right? Then he disappeared again for 10 or 15 years, and now he's been kind of permanently back. So this is a what-if that kind of came true. What if Spider-Man's clone had lived, okay? And before we continue, G.I. Julie, I don't remember. Do you know anything about the clone saga? I think I do. Because <laughs> we like, like, I, I read the Gwen Stacy clone stuff, but I don't remember the Ben Riley stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's nine. That's a good two and a half years worth of storyline there. <laughs> yeah, the, Gwen, the Gwen Stacy one, the Gwen Stacy sequel was a two or three issue thing that followed up Amazing 149, 150. She disappeared. Then they brought back the Peter Parker clone, but it's kind of all tied together. But when they brought him back in the mid 90s, they retconned the story that we reviewed anyway, so it doesn't matter now. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> so in this story, what if Spider-Man's clone had survived? So we flash over to the original story. We see Spider-Man wrestling Spider-Man. And, uh, and basically, oh, and, and Professor Miles Warren and the Gwen Stacy clone are all kind of mixed in with everything. And um, I'm trying to figure out where the divergence is. It's... Not clear. Well, the clone doesn't die in this one. Yeah. yeah. See, because I've never read the original, so I don't remember exact. I don't know exactly what happened, but he. Oh, go ahead, Josh, or Jank. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I actually, I, I, I thought I remembered this, and then I looked back, and there's definitely some things in the original clone saga that don't jive with this. Okay. But uh, I believe, yeah, basically, the clone dies in an explosion, uh, whereas in this one, 
he uh, the clone, I guess, knocks the real Peter Parker out before the explosion happens and yes. ends up living. Mm-hmm. And the, and we have to point out that um, the clone's thoughts he he thinks he's the real Spider Man, so yes. he brings the he brings the real Spider Man to like the um, capsule what, the clone casket puts the real Peter Parker in. And he actually makes a comment. He says, oh, he even looks like me. A little bigger and a couple of years older, maybe. I guess Warren figured that'd give him the edge. Um, we should point out that one very, very cool thing about this comic that I really liked is that this clone, his memories only go up to, like, a certain point, like, early, like, I'm talking, like, amazing number, like, 30 or 40-ish. Mm. Like, yeah. six sorry, college. Right. When he just kind of met Gwen, when he just met Harry Osborn, so it's kind of interesting. So he yeah. Here's the thing, though. I was I double checked this just to make sure, but uh, they said in when he create when the Jackal created the clone in the original Clone Saga, uh, he knocks Peter out, and while he's out, he supposedly uh, took some of his mRNA, like that holds his memories, and injected the clone with it, so they would both have the exact same memories, and neither of them would know who was the original one. <laughs> So uh, this completely just like uh, retcons that. <laughs> right, there's, there's a retcon upon a retcon, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and also we should point out that um, John Romita Sr. drew Peter Parker to be bulkier than Steve Ditko. So that's commenting on that, how Peter Parker went from being like a skinny teenager to a little bit bulkier, you know, college kid or whatever. So anyway, so what's that? That's the freshman 15. Yeah, yeah, there yeah. you go. <laughs> so, uh, clone Spider-Man goes home. And again, he thinks he's like three years earlier. So he's like, okay, well, I'm going to go home to Aunt May's apartment because that's her house. That's where I live. And then he goes there. And again, now this is actually, I really like this. It becomes like a Twilight Zone. He goes home, but the home is all, like all the furniture is covered in blankets. And he's like, what's going on? Aunt May, Aunt May. He's looking for Aunt May. Can't find Aunt May. He's like, that's weird. Huh. He's like, I must have been asleep for a long time. So then he goes to, um, oh, he's like, he in his speech bubbles, he's like, well, the neighbors thought I was nuts asking so many questions, but at least I found out Aunt May's living with Mrs. Watson, which is uh, Mary Jane's um, aunt. So then she, he goes and talks to Aunt May and they're like uh, chatting. And, um, and then Aunt May mentions Mary Jane Watson. And at this point, Peter barely knows her he's like mary jane that would be miss mrs watson's niece so i don't i think he's heard of mary jane but he hasn't met her yet so then he's like well i gather from the conversation that i have a pad somewhere in the city now uh and i've dated both gwen and mrs watson's niece gee i wish i could remember all the fun i must have had (laughs) (laughs) so then he's like well no one else knows what's going on so i'm gonna go to the daily bugle so he goes to the daily bugle and it's again i love this attention to detail he sees Joe Robertson, but he calls him. He's like, hey, hello, Mr. Robertson. And he's like, Mr. Robertson, bucking for a raise? He's like, it's Robbie. He's like, oh, no. Then he says, oh, ha, ha, um, Joe. He's like, Robbie, Peter, Robbie. So, again, the attention to detail is very cool. Then he sees Betty, who he was dating in, I think, the early or mid-60s, which is cool. And so, you know, again, they're kind of out of sync with each other as they're chatting. And then he leaves. And then he ends up getting in a cab with uh, with Betty. Oh, yeah, Betty drives him home because oh, right, he doesn't right. know where his like new apartment is. Yes, that's right. That's yeah. right. And then when she gets there, she's like, well, waiting for the doorman because he doesn't recognize his own apartment. So he, he gets out 
And then, um, and then he's like, well, now my other problem is figuring out which building is mine. I guess I'll just stand here until something looks familiar. And then he ends up sitting outside until it gets dark. Then Glory Grant comes home because they used to live together, as we know, because remember we read that fill-in story that was actually written like 10 years earlier where he was living in the same apartment building as Glory Grant. Oh, remember right. that? Yeah. yeah. So at this point in continuity, he is living with her, but he doesn't know that he's living with her. So he ends up crawling up the side of the building and peeking inside. And he's like, well, uh, I don't know about the wooden Indian, but there can't be two residents of the building with developing equipment, a scope and a bunch of web cartridges lying around. So now he knows <laughs> this is his apartment, right? Why would he leave the web cartridges just laying around yeah, uh, up by right? the window? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so he starts going through his own, like, paperwork and stuff and then he sees like a box of letters from Gwen and then um and then he's like reading like looking at all these pictures of Gwen and seeing like them together and stuff and so then it says uh you know most of all the letters speak in the voice of Peter Parker's one true love they speak in the voice of the real Gwen Stacy his heart breaks as he reads the newspaper account of her death during a battle between Spider-Man and the Green Goblin so He's upset because he realizes Gwen dies, but he doesn't remember anything, right? Because he's just a clone. So he decides to leave. And where is he going now? Uh, oh, he's going to Professor Warren's, right? He's going to talk to her to find out what's going on. And then he goes inside and he's like, reading up on all his paperwork. And he's like, oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, my Lord. I am the clone of Peter Parker. He realizes he's a clone. Uh-oh. So now, now, can I point out the page number? This is page 13. At this point and the other what if, we just got to the divergence. Now <laughs> right. we're already at the major twist of what's going on. So he realizes he's a clone. And um, so then he goes back. Where is he going now? Back to his apartment? I don't remember where he's going. Uh, he's just like on the roof, kind of like thinking about what just happened after this revelation. And then that's when this like, hovercraft robot shows up oh yeah that's right <laughs> yeah so he's like fighting yeah he's like fighting the cops and all of a sudden this hovercraft thing shows up and it's the kingpin of all people um like the kingpin like speaking to him through like a microphone and a camera or whatever so he like spider-man smashes this little like drone thing then he goes to um school which is empire state university and he runs into flash thompson but in his memories flash thompson is still like the school bully but at this point, they're friends, right? So he's like, oh, like, he's kind of like acting <laughs> weird, right? And then Flash is like, um, hey, we're going to get together, you know, over the weekend at Ned's house or Betty's party. He's like, buddy, well, well, actually, Flash, I wasn't so sure I was going. I have a lot of studying to do. So, yeah, again, he's acting like Peter from the mid-60s. He doesn't know what's going on, right? He's like, oh, I guess we're friends now. So then he goes home, and then he starts swinging around as Spidey, and then he runs into the kingpin again. And then he runs into some other bad guys, and they're punching and fighting and punching. And then he leaves. And then he uh, he's like, you know what? Um, no matter what happens to me, that Peter Parker is sealed in that tube. I've always been fond of Peter Parker. So then he goes back to the tube where Peter Parker is, and he and he's like actually contemplating killing him. He's like, just pull the plug, just kill him, dump the body in an industrial chimney or something. Ah, who am I kidding? So he breaks him out. He lets Peter out. Peter out and they start talking he fills them on what's going on he tells them look I know I'm a clone blah 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 so then they decide to 
um, like swing away together. Peter's dressed as Peter. The clone is dressed as Spider-Man. They go to the Kingpin's headquarters, right? Yeah. This is stupid. The Kingpin, <laughs> the Kingpin kidnaps Peter Parker. Yeah. Um, to try and get Spider-Man. I don't know if this was their plan the whole time, but... Yeah, and then he's fighting Kingpin in like an amusement park on a Ferris wheel. It's kind of stupid. Yeah. <laughs> it's like page after page of fighting, fighting, fighting. They team up. They kick the Kingpin's face in. And then it's like, oh, boy. So like that's the ending of that little thing. And then, then it's like, well, back at Peter Parker's apartment. So now that again, this is my favorite scene in the whole movie, or the whole <laughs> comic. But trying to think about what to do, they're like, well, um, I guess like we can just <clears throat> team up. And like uh, he's like, okay, so the only thing is, is you're still me. Only you're me, and, and you're still Spider-Man. And he's like, so you got a copyright on it? And he's like, well, Peter, my boy, I'm thinking it should be a pleasure to be a, to be able to sleep late and go to class sometimes or fight for justice. So now they're going to decide to, like, share their life, right? So they can both kind of, like, be Spider-Man at different times. So, like, yeah, you be Spidey on Mondays and Wednesdays. I'll take Tuesdays and Thursdays. We'll flip for the weekends. Yes! And the, this is my favorite part of the whole comic. Good deal, bro. I get the bed. You get the couch. I get Mary Jane. You get Doc Ock. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, what? And then, and then, okay, now is that any way to treat your kid, brother? Wah, wah, wah. The end. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, there you go. There's the end of the story. Uh, I don't know yeah. what to this. Gia, <laughs> uh, Jolie, what's your first reaction to the story? Effing yikes. <laughs> yeah. Um, I never want to read that again. I don't even think that I... What I did while I read that was reading, it was more like... No, I read it, and then it immediately left my brain. Right, so right. Hearing you recount it was like giving me PTSD nightmares. <laughs> yeah. Sorry to anyone who suffers from PTSD. It is just a gross exaggeration of how I feel about this book. But I didn't know that anything could be worse than the Gwen Stacy one. <laughs> so it's probably yeah. it. Mm -hmm. I was like really excited to learn about Ben Riley because like there's a current ongoing Ben Riley book and I really wanted to know a little bit more, but I guess yeah. not. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Josh, what do you think? The, uh, yeah, it sucks. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I will say I think that while the ending is bad the writing is like a sitcom i think that's a really fun idea for spider-man in a what if and that's also this ending is kind of what they grabbed and what they were planning on doing with the whole clone saga mm. so for jolie or anybody in the audience i think we've also talked about this on the show possibly before but um real quickly they originally brought back uh the clone of spider-man so that way they can eventually write off Peter Parker and have him retire with MJ and his daughter and Spider-Man could continue uh, as like a new version of Spider-Man. So and Peter younger. Parker was, yeah. And younger. So it's kind of like jumping back in time and we can see his college years again, yada, yada, yada. So um, they definitely took this kind of interesting idea of an ending and interesting. What if, and ran with it. It didn't really pan out too well, and obviously it wasn't well-received, so they ended up writing it so Peter Parker continues on, and Ben Riley was written off, but 
Um, yeah, this one was really messy for something that should have just been like Ben Riley or not. Yeah, I don't even think he's Ben Riley at this point. This clone can kind of like figure out who he really is. Um, I think even all that stuff was fine at the beginning. Yeah. Um, like, it's when the Kingpin shows up and it turns into a, a comic book that that it, it sucks <laughs> well that's the thing is like the twilight zone stuff was actually really cool like yeah. all the wait a minute you know mr robertson it's robbie right like all that stuff oh of, yeah uh, mm. like a fish out of water that was all great but why bring in the kingpin and the the drone all that that was all garbage like page filler crap mm. they could have just cut all that shit out and again if you want to bring in a super villain then keep it with the clone song or bring in the jackal Right, like make it tie into the clone saga itself. Kingpin, as far as I know, had nothing to do with the clone saga, so that made no sense to me. Um, but Jank, what's your impression of this one? Yeah, this was terrible. I mean, <laughs> I know people don't like the clone saga, and there's a lot of problems, but it's better than this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'll say that. Um, and thank God for Frank Miller making the Kingpin cool again, because if this is how it used to be, like, yikes, fighting on right. a Ferris wheel with a flying like. <laughs> Ferris wheel car. So dumb. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I kind of like the Twilight Zone stuff, but it kind of, you could have just called this, what if Spider-Man got hit in the head with a coconut and lost his memory? <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> then you have to write him on a beach somewhere. <laughs> so the real question is though, is who do you think that, who, who got the, be the, the, the better end of the deal? Uh, was it Peter with Mary Jane or was it Ben Riley? Oh, God. I mean, was it? Yeah. Right. What kind of life is that? Yeah. <laughs> if you ever date somebody else and Mary Jane finds out about it, like then you're both fucked. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, yeah. Like, okay. So like I said, as you know, all the Kingpin stuff was shit. The other stuff was good, but it was ruined by the Kingpin stuff. Um, the writer here was Bill Flanagan, who I've honestly never heard of. The art was Penciled by uh, Rich Buckler, inked by Jim Mooney and Pablo Marcus. The art was okay, but I got to point out, a lot of these panels were swiped. A lot of them. And Rich Buckler was a fairly popular artist at the time, but he kind of became known as a swipe artist later. Obviously, this was before the internet, so you couldn't cross-reference things as quickly. But you can look at a lot of these panels and be like, that's Amazing Spider-Man 15, that's Amazing Spider-Man number whatever, that's, you know, whatever. So he's just... Unfortunately, he's just ripping off panels from earlier comics. So the art is kind of mediocre too, you know? So it's not really a very good comic. So I can like 50% recommend it, but that's about it. Uh, Gio Julie? This is the one where um, one of the panels... No, that's the next one. Where it looks like hieroglyphics. Or the oh, art I, looks like I don't remember that one, but oh, I guess I that's coming. Um... There's like a panel where it's like Spider-Man and I think it's like Uncle Ben and him. So I think it's yeah. Awesome. And there's like a cat um, head for no reason. Oh yeah. Anyway, this bridge <laughs> happens. But we'll talk about, yeah, we'll talk about that in a second. Um, I wasn't terribly disappointed in the art. I think I hate the next one the most art-wise. Sorry. Okay. Um, but overall, I guess this book is bad. That's it. <laughs> uh, uh, Jank, do you recommend it? Oh, not at all. Ooh, all right. I didn't really like any part of this. <laughs> okay. Mm. Uh, Josh? No. I 
I like the inking. The inking's nice, Jim. It's nice to see Jim Mooney again. Yeah, it's been a while since we talked about about Good Jim's point. Uh, inking, but yeah, it's it's not great. Right. All right. What if number thirty? There you go. Some um, hesitant recommendations, if any. <laughs> and uh, GI Julie, do you have to leave now? I do. Okay. Oh no. Which sucks because like the next one, the one I kind of liked best yeah agreed <laughs> uh, uh art was very stylistic and uh the panel that looks like i can't tell if it's but I like it as much like it was almost too stylistic which um, um i don't have um i don't open it yet because oh. uh, be it's only the end after that knows who he is Spidey in the middle and Ben, but they're very like uh, just from the side profile 2D. Okay. And I can't tell if the inking is muddy because of the transfer and the scan of, into digital or if it is actually just like shitty inking. Sorry, <sighs> inker. Uh, I, yeah, I'm trying to find the page. I can't find it, but um, this I guess got to say, yeah, this inking was very. I don't know if it's shit or if it's just a stylistic <laughs> choice, mm-hmm. but it's inked by no offense, uh, Sam De La Rosa. Yeah, and it's it's like it's so sketchy. Yes. It's almost like just amateur, yeah. but yeah, I'll like do it really quick. Two cents. Uh, this one didn't start like the other ones with the watcher. This one just started where Aunt May goes downstairs and gets shot and it goes from there. Right, right. They just don't even go through uh, Spider-Man or like the actual origins of Uncle Ben dying. They just Mm -hmm. assume that he lived Mm -hmm. through that ordeal. Yeah, it's kind of nice. We just the only time we see the watcher is like in that one big splash page and he's just kind of in the clouds as the story's going on. So it's great. That, um, they don't have to be like, hey, is what? I'm the watcher. Right. I'm going to tell you this cool <laughs> story in. that people, happened. People know what's going on. Yeah. Right. Okay. okay. Yeah, it was a pleasure to be back. I can't wait for next week. Yeah. Hopefully it's just as interesting as his books. Yeah. <laughs> it's nice to hear your voice again, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> nice talking to you, Julie. Yeah. All right. Okay. Good, Julie. Bye. Bye. All right. Uh, okay, so yeah, so now this one is going to be mm. summarized by our pal, Kevin Jank. He's going to tell us what happens in What If number 46, the second last issue of the series. Oh, really? Yep. I didn't know. <laughs> and then they relaunched it again? Of course, 1989, yeah. yep. <laughs> yep, yep. Okay, so yeah, this issue starts with Peter Parker in the cemetery, and you think this is going to be like those other, you know issues where you see the real universe and then the watcher is going to show you the other one but nope we're already in it uh because it turns out he's not visiting uncle ben's grave it's actually aunt may's grave (laughs) uncle ben's there with him talking him you know talking him down um and then we get that splash page with the watcher talking about you know hey what if uncle what if spider-man's uncle ben had lived uh this one was written by peter b gillis art by ron friends which is sometimes good sometimes not (laughs) Yeah, good uh, point. Good point. <laughs> There's certain panels that do not look great, but no. overall, I kind of liked it. Um, so we cut to a little 
brief synopsis of what happened when Uncle Ben died. He was getting sciatica in the middle of the night. That's why he was up and downstairs when uh, when the burglar broke in. So he got shot. And uh, then, you know, Peter Parker finds out about it, goes and captures the burglar, blah, blah, blah. Everybody knows that story. Even the movies don't bother showing it anymore. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> so this, uh, the, the one little difference in this reality is Ben didn't have that pain in his back that night. So he was sleeping soundly. And uh, I was just Aunt May that heard the noise downstairs. So she went down to see what was uh, happening. And there's the burglar shoots Aunt May. Yep. So then Peter again finds out about it, goes and captures the burglar, although we don't even get to see it this time. They assume we remember what happened two seconds ago. Um, so then we get Peter and Uncle Ben having breakfast, and Peter keeps talking about, you know, Spider-Man's doing good things and stuff like that. And Ben's kind of like, oh, what's up with this kid? <laughs> Something's going on with him and this Spider-Man. I hope he's not touching him inappropriately. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so then some of Peter's friends come by and uh, it's Flash and Liz Allen and all those kids from school who really aren't even his friends. But I don't know if this happened in the actual universe. Like they never showed it if it did. But who knows? Yeah, I don't remember this. Yeah, but... I can't imagine they were coming over to visit Peter <laughs> back then. But <laughs> uh, so Uncle Ben, this is what's great about this issue is Uncle Ben, they only knew. You know, Uncle Ben had only appeared in like maybe two pages of story, <laughs> realistically, in the time in the Spider-Man origin. So all they knew about him was that with great power comes great responsibility speech. So they turned basically everything he says into some kind of like very special episode speech <laughs> where he's always trying to give people impart wisdom to everyone. Even Flash Thompson, like, oh, I hear you're real good on the football field, but maybe try cracking a book one day or showing people <laughs> what's in your heart. <laughs> And flash yeah. go. Yeah, Watch. there you go. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> this old man put me in my place. <laughs> so uh, then we get uh, he sees Spider Man swinging him by the house, and he's like, "Oh yeah, Peter's definitely Spider Man." And uh, he confronts him about it. <laughs> I think that's where this happens. Yeah. 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 And then, well, actually, he, the way he does the... it, yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> like, great. Tablecloth. And then Peter goes to change it, and then the Spider-Man is just under the, the tablecloth, sitting on the table there. Yeah, that's <laughs> kind of... I, I think that was supposed to be more dramatic than it was, but anyway. I mean, it's pretty much as dramatic as the American Pie, you know, pie stuff. Yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> They're having an embarrassing conversation there in the kitchen. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so then Peter tells him the story about how he let that burglar go by. And uh, he feels real bad about it. And he, oh, Aunt May's death is all my fault. And uh, Uncle Ben is just like, he starts getting angry. Like, very angry at Peter. Like, I was asleep the whole time. Don't tell me it's your fault. It was my fault. I should have been the one down there checking on and on what this noise was. But I just slept right through it. I'm the asshole here. <laughs> and uh, Peter's like, no, no. You know, like, it's not your fault, Uncle Ben. And he's like, how could you have known? And then Uncle Ben's just like, again, with, this, with his uh, very special episode powers, you just said, took the words out of my mouth, Peter. It's not your fault either. You couldn't have known. And then they hug. <laughs> and we get a little brief synopsis of a couple of Spidey adventures, fighting Sandman and Lizard and Green Goblin and such, and a bunch more. Um, then we get a shot of J. Jonah Jameson, who was, of course, you know, railing against Spider-Man all the time. And Uncle Ben is not taking it well. Spider-Man's just kind of used to it and just like, yeah, whatever. He can't do anything to me. 
But Uncle Ben's like, no, 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 this this will not stand. Like, Spider-Man brought down May's killer. So if he's talking bad about him, about Spider-Man, then he's talking bad about, you know, our family <laughs> somehow. And uh, he goes and mar- marches off. He's going to go confront Jameson. And Peter's just like, oh, fuck, they think this ain't going to end well. <laughs> and it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> so Uncle Ben storms in to see J. Jonah Jameson. And... Uh, he starts yelling at him, why do you keep haranguing Spider-Man? He's a good guy. And uh, Spider-Man swings in, and he can tell that Uncle Ben's about to give away the, you know, all the beans, spill all the beans. And uh, he's like, don't do it, Uncle Ben. But uh, Uncle Ben just gives him a dressing down in front of Jameson. Like, listen, son, this is for your own good. And he just kind of, <laughs> like, Spider-Man just kind of cowers. And he's like, yes, sir. Jameson's like, what the fuck's going on here? Why is Spider-Man afraid of this old man? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, so then he's like, all right, come on, pull your, pull your mask off. And he shows J. Jonah Jameson that Peter Parker is in fact Spider-Man. And he's like, well, now the ball's in your court. I guess you could publish this if you really want to, but you know, we're trusting you to do the right thing. And, uh, Jameson kind of ponders it for a while. He's, he's torn on what to do. And he's like, oh, I could get a, you know, just publish this right now. It'd be a big deal. Or maybe I can milk it. I'll just use Peter Parker for, you know, more stories down the line because I got this hanging over him. Um, and so we get to, we get a look at what this arrangement kind of entails, although it doesn't totally make sense. But uh, we see Spider-Man stopping some burglars and the cops and the Daily Bugle newsmen are right behind this. So, like, does Peter Parker have to, like, he sees a burglary going down and then call it in <laughs> before he goes to right. uh, stop them? seems like, like it, yeah yeah <laughs> it seems like a lot because it seems like he's mostly catching people that he just happens to be swinging by there's not a lot of time to go find a payphone right and it's gonna let a lot of people go that way <laughs> uh jameson's pretty happy about this he keeps getting all kind of exclusives and people are wondering what's going on with this why does he get all this and he's still in the newspaper he's still haranguing spider-man he's still calling him a menace and shit but he's uh, getting all these tips from spider-man so Kind of two-faced. Um, here we get some stuff with Betty Brant. She's asking for another advance. Jameson's like, I already gave you an advance. Go spit. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so she's kind of upset. Uh, but Peter, apparently, because of his deal with Jameson, has been getting a lot of money uh, for all of his tips. So he's got more than enough to give Betty Brant some money. Uh, and he's like, yeah, you don't even have to pay me back. It's fine. You get a really weird shot of like uh, the two of them looking in each other's eyes where they pretty much look like they're related. And it's like, oh, I don't want these two to get together anymore. <laughs> <laughs> they have the same face. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then Jameson calls Peter into his office and like, hey, there's something up with Betty Brant. Like, you, I need Spider-Man to go look into this. She's into something crooked. And Peter's like, no, Betty Brant wouldn't do that. Like, she's a good girl. And like, I like her. So I'm not doing this. And he's like, oh, you're going to do it all right. But uh, so Peter then just hangs Jameson on the coat rack and goes home. And he tells Uncle Ben, like, hey, do you believe what Jameson wanted me to do? And Uncle Ben's like, yeah, you should. (laughs) I agree. Like, we're in the same boat on this one. Like, something's up with her. And so Peter gets mad and he eventually does go to follow her just to, like, prove them wrong, basically. Uh, But it turns out she is doing something crooked because she's meeting up with Dr. Octopus. Uh, her brother apparently has gotten in deep with like the mob, which I think did happen in the uh, 
in the actual stories. And then he ended up getting murdered, but he does not get murdered here. Um, Spider-Man's able to save him. Uh, and he kind of just walks off all cranky. Like he's like, Betty Brant, I believed in you. No, I don't anymore. He's just completely disillusioned. Um, and basically he doesn't want to face Jameson or uncle Ben anymore. He's just like, can't believe they were right. And like, I don't believe in anything anymore. He just pretty much becomes a wino, I guess. Doesn't go home and just kind of sleeps mm-hmm. in the alley in a uh, webbing hammock. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> apparently he smells really bad. Uh, some, some guy sent by Jameson shows up and, uh, he's got like a piece of, like a mock newspaper headline that says Spider-Man's identity revealed. And he's like, mm-hmm. you don't go see Jameson. I'm going to, you know, he's going to make this a reality. Spider-Man's <laughs> like, oh no. <laughs> and uh, somebody overhears this. Somebody flying on a glider. wonder who that could be. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he goes to see Jameson and he's like, hey, you're not giving me any tips anymore. What's up with that? And Peter's like, just looks disheveled. And uh, he's like, no, I'm not doing this anymore. Screw you, I'm out. And then Jameson's meeting with Norman Osborn at like, their fancy country club. And Osborne's trying to get some info out of him on Spider-Man, and he's just playing dumb. Um, but he ends up going to... Oh, then we cut to uh, John Jameson has come back from space with the uh, the space spores in him. So Jameson's at the hospital visiting him. Um, Peter is there, I guess, to take pictures, except he's not actually taking pictures, so I'm not sure why he's there. Um, just for moral support, I guess. And the Green Goblin comes in, and he's going to capture Jameson, take him away, and you know get Spider-Man's identity out of him. Uh, so Peter Parker is just like, all right, great. If he kills Jameson, my problems are solved. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to worry about him blackmailing me anymore. Uh, so John Jameson's like, no, what are you doing? Like, you got to help him. And he starts, the Space Force start making him super strong. Uh, so he's like, well, I'm going to go save him myself then. And that kind of eventually gets Peter to realize, oh, yeah, maybe I should actually go after him. Like, I'm kind of doing the same thing I did with Aunt May, where I could have stopped somebody and could have saved somebody's life, but I didn't. So this will probably haunt me if I don't do this. Um, Green Goblin has Jameson hooked up to some kind of brain thing that's going to scan his brain for (laughs) Spider-Man's identity. Uh, (laughs) When John Jameson breaks in in, like, a steroid rage and just, like, attacks the Green Goblin, trying to take him down. Um, punches him right in the face and knocks him out. And then he's like, he's still coming after, like, how dare you hurt my father? And he's like going after Jameson, who's strapped to a chair. He's like, I'm going to hurt you for hurting my father. And he's like, wait, I am your father. Don't do it. And uh, Spider-Man comes in, saves him from John Jameson, uh, ends up throwing him back into a, some kind of electronic machine, which uh, like zaps him with a bunch of voltage and fries the space spores right out of him. So it's no man wolf, <laughs> just, uh, just back to regular John Jameson. And, uh, he's like, Jameson, you know, you owe me now you owe me one. So it's unclear whether he's actually going to like stop blackmailing Spider-Man or not. <laughs> I assume that's what that means, but I don't know. Yeah. So that, Cause then it just ends with, uh, Peter going back to see uncle Ben and they kind of make nice after their, they're all their turmoil and it's just kind of like, yeah, you know, sometimes fathers and sons have a fight and he's like, yeah, but we'll always get back together. And that's where it ends. So, okay. First I got to say, uh, you know, I love me some Ron friends, but because of Sam De La Rosa's finishing or inking, 
This art looks like complete amateur shit. I think. <laughs> like the storytelling is uh, fine, but what do you think, Josh? I think the penciling is also pretty weak in this uh, to begin with. Yeah, like, you can tell it's unfinished. Um, yeah. I mean, even right at the beginning, we see, I don't have the page numbers, but when we see Uncle Ben getting out of bed. Uh, okay, yes. He, his face, he doesn't have a face. It's like, yeah. the, it's like the hatching of like, yes. of like, like the, when you're preparing to draw a face, good you point. draw like the vertical and horizontal line that's like curved around yeah. the circle of the face. So you know where to draw the eyes and the nose and the mouth. That is left in the comic. That's it is a good point. That like it was well, not penciled well, in. It was not penciled in, and uh, uh, the ink the inker just drew that that like rough line over top of the now, unfinished art. I should point out in comics, there's usually a penciler and an inker, but in some cases, there's a layout artist and a finisher. So really, even if you say the pencils are not good, it's because. The fact that it says Sam De La Rosa finisher means he was supposed to like kind of do his job and he didn't. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So it, it's kind of his fault. Like that's what, that's what I mean. The storytelling's fine. It's just that the, the finished inks look so sloppy. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. At times I think it looks really good, but for the most part throughout it's, it is extremely sloppy. Yeah. Jank, were you going to say something? I got the impression that they were trying to make it a little more Steve Ditko esque. Yes. That's why they, it was inked this way. Well, and also, Ron Friends had just started on Amazing. He This came out the same month as Amazing 255. So he'd been on the book for three months. Ooh. This might have been done at the same time or right before, but he was doing a definite Steve Ditko kind of homage on that book. So that's probably, probably what they were going for, you're right, but it still could have been done, could have been done a lot better, in my opinion. Uh, now the thing is, is I think that arguably this script is probably the best of the three, but I don't know why they focus so much on uh, what's his name, John Jameson, the Man Wolf. Like, where yeah. the hell does that come from? Right? Yeah. Even, I guess it was kind of a Deus Ex Machina to get them out of this storyline. Yeah. I guess at the end. <laughs> yeah. Even JJ doesn't feel well written in this. Like. Or sorry, not necessarily well written, but out of he's written out of character. I don't buy that JJ would screw over Peter Parker, right? Even after finding the identity, it just doesn't right. fit well um, with like what we know of him. Um, I I also really loved the beginning of this. I was like reading through this. I was like, this is the best written what if. Right. I'm loving this so much. And then when Uncle Ben snitched. <laughs> on on peter to jj i'm like what is this doesn't make any sense right like right. i know uncle ben uh hasn't really had much character development up until this issue essentially because he's only had 10 A pages, pages yeah. <laughs> right yeah right so so w when they set it up at the beginning i was like wow it's kind of it kind of almost feels like this is an old man peter parker Right. And Aunt May even says that a lot where she kind of says, oh, you're just like Ben. You know what I mean? Like there's similarities between the two. So 
seeing him kind of lecture people and then um, hold that guilt within him of like, no, you didn't kill Aunt May. I killed Aunt May. Like, uh-huh, uh-huh. it just feels like they did a really good job of like making that duality of like Peter and Uncle Ben. Um, and then for Uncle Ben to just be like, oh, I can't believe JJ. I'm going to storm off and <laughs> wave my <laughs> fist at him and reveal my nephew's identity to him. It's like what it doesn't it, it's not matching up to right. everything that Uncle Ben stands for. Forget him in this issue. It's like every single time we hear Uncle Ben, we hear the with great power comes great responsibility. Like it just doesn't make any sense that he's like going against that. He's going against the like yeah. holding the the responsibility of keeping uh, his nephew's identity a secret and mm-hmm. helping him like, you know, they made this deal that they were going to kind of like work together and do this together. And I don't. it just feels very backwards and it feels like a shitty way to kick off the story and like the the the, the plot of this this comic. Um, yeah. The only rationale I can come up with is they do mention that it seems like Jameson's reason he hates Spider-Man is because he wears a mask and, you know, that takes away his sense of responsibility because he's not responsible for his actions. So maybe that's where Ben's coming from. It's all about responsibility and showing this man who you are so that you can be held responsible for your actions. That would have been pretty good if that's what they wrote, (laughs) you know, like... convincing peter to to do it himself instead of like tricking him into showing up in the office and then ripping off the mask off his face (laughs) yeah it's pretty harsh yeah yeah i don't know it's like in a way this issue was the most it was the best plotted because it was all about the plot but they still went on these weird tangents i just don't understand why i don't know i mean with a story like this or any of these what ifs it's kind of like when you pitch the what if, if you go if you go off the rails on page two, then the editor should say that doesn't work. It just you know start from scratch and read it again, right? Mm. Because it, it's literally this is the story. There's no follow up. There's no sequel. There's no continuation. So all of these kind of have these massive wrong turns that they take that should have been fixed just in the plotting stage, right? So I don't know what the hell they were thinking with any of these. That's the yeah. thing. I, I like the idea of what if, but they almost never satisfy me. But yeah, Jink, what were you going to say? The only thing I can think of they what they went this route for was because they had to somehow differentiate, you know, Uncle Ben being alive from Aunt May being alive. And the yeah. best thing to show Uncle Ben being more, A, aware of what's going on and B, more, you know, commanding of the situation and not afraid to, you know, step up and do something about it. So I guess right. that... I can see why they went that route. It, it might not be the most satisfying, but it's I can I can at least understand the thought process, I guess. Right. So I guess the question is, does Kevin Jank recommend this issue? Uh, I would. I would say this is the best of the three for sure. In a way, it is. Yes, in a way. Yeah, I think it is. The story is the best. The art is not the best, though. I don't think. <laughs> yeah, the uh, art was probably the best. Right. And then Josh, what do you what do you think? Would you recommend it? Um, yeah, a, lightly, kind of like the first one. It's pretty a pretty interesting idea, and I like liked a lot of it. But I think as a whole, it didn't really work. Uh huh. But um, yeah, it, it was a it was a fun read. 
Okay. Uh, this one, I, I like the plot, but the art is so bad that I just can't really recommend it. Mm. It's just like it shouldn't even have gone out the door, in my opinion. I don't know what the hell they were thinking. Yeah, even the cover is rough. Right, yeah. yeah. Right. Right. Like who's the guy who's the guy in the in the little hat back there behind Doc Ock? One of the generic villains, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Not very good. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, that's strange. Fancy yeah. yeah. Yeah, Marvel art at this time was so in- inconsistent. Sometimes it was really good, sometimes it was crap like this, right? Yeah. So Anyway, there you go. So we've caught up on our what-if issues. And I did check. There are actually three Spider-Man what-ifs before this, but they happened in the 70s. So that we, they're not going to be covered on Here Comes the Spider-Cast, but be sure to check them out. Just to yeah, entice you, what if Spider-Man joined the Fantastic Four? What if someone else besides Spider-Man had been bitten by a radioactive spider? And where's the other one? What if Spider-Man had never become a crime fighter? I can't wait to read that one. Cool. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway, I want to thank Kevin Jank for joining us. Thank you, Jank. Sure. Mm. Pleasure being here, even though we didn't review any Black Fox comics this time, which oh. seems to be a staple of when I come on this That's show. True. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully next time. Hopefully next time. I feel like they could have had, uh, you know, Uncle Ben gets older, goes into a nursing home, and him and the Ooh. black box are, like, hanging out there at the nursing home, and like he's got to talk him into stopping because, he, you know, burglar killed his <laughs> wife, so <laughs> right. you got to stop this. Give up your evil way. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, yeah, so we'll be sure to have you on again in the future. We'll try to fit the black box in somewhere. Absolutely. Right. And uh, we want everyone to join us next week because we're going to be back to reviewing episodes of the cartoon. We're going to be reviewing an episode of the cartoon featuring Silver Sable. Oh, uh, another one featuring the Red Skull and another one featuring the Invaders, which I'm really excited about because I love the Invaders. Okay. So, it's not my favorite era of that show. I'll, really? Yeah, it well, gets a little weird at the end. Well, yeah. I'll have you know we don't have a guest book, so Kevin Jank, if you're free next Tuesday at 7.30 Eastern Standard Time, you're welcome to join us if you'd like. <laughs> a lot of wizards. All right, <sighs> there you go. Uh, Josh, but, you can take it from here. Yeah, thank you guys so much for listening to the podcast. Uh, please leave us a review over on Apple Podcast or leave us a comment on either Facebook or Twitter. You can find us there um, at the Comic Book Syndicate, or you can find all of our stuff at thecomicbooksyndicate.com. Uh, please let us know what you guys think about the comics and our podcast and all of our videos. We want to know what you guys think. So uh, let's keep that conversation going. That's right, and until next Monday, spider friends, go for it!